0: What is going on everyone? Jonathan here with the VenueRx podcast, and it has been so much fun connecting with all of these incredible business owners. I was just at Wedding MBA 2021 and was able to interview quite a few really amazing people who serve our industry in making the services that we provide as, as vendors in this industry so much better. And there is no one that I am more excited talking to than Scott and Allison Crumpton who are joining me here on the podcast today. Guys, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. We're happy to be here, Jonathan. Yeah. Thanks for inviting us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I was really excited to chat with you. I didn't get half as much time as I wanted. I know the team and I kind of kept passing by your booth, which was totally beautiful. We kept seeing Katie. We were kind of like you know, we wanted to chat more, but there was a lot, lot going on. Obviously I'm really excited for this conversation because what you guys do with marketing is, is the tip of the spear really. And for what you bring to venues, I think specifically is so incredible. So let's not give too much of it away. I want to turn the floor over to the both of you. Tell us what Whitestone marketing is about. Um, what, what do you guys do? you.
2: Okay. Whitestone marketing is a, Gosh, it is. We were the very first digital marketing agency for lodging properties. We started back in 1994. People didn't even know what the web was then, Jonathan. <laughs> if you can believe it. And so we've had been doing this a long time. And we started with really just bed and breakfast ins. And we started doing all their digital marketing for them at the time, how albeit limited as it was back then. But many of them had wedding venues and or just venues in general, event venues. And so we, we've we really been doing venues as long as we have lodging. And we've just really focused on it more probably in the last five years as it's become more popular to um, own just a venue without the lodging part attached to it. We're seeing more and more, in that, more of that, but really we've been marketing bed and breakfasts, um, boutique hotels, really anything in the small lodging niche for almost 30
0: years now. Brad, that inspires so many different questions. I actually want to just before you can get more into your company, what in 1994 inspired you to to go in this direction? Like <laughs> like yeah. marketing, the internet's barely existing like you said, like where is it that the seed goes in your mind of like, hey, venues and these lodging spots like they need marketing. Where how does that happen?
1: You know, that's talk about right place at the right time. Yeah. I get out of college um, studying marketing and um, I'm a computer consultant because that was kind of my talent and gift was working on computers at the time. And I got a phone call from a little old lady and she said, look, I have a printed bed and breakfast directory and um, it has 221 inns of Oregon. in It's called the Oregon Bed and Breakfast Directory. And she said, I want to handle the ad copy and the the financing of it. Nobody will help me. Everyone says they have to do it for me. I bought a little computer and I want to do it. So she said, it, I asked around and everybody said, well, we can't help you. But if anybody, Scott can. So I came over, she baked me cookies. I looked at <laughs> what she did and I said, yeah, I got this. And I wrote her a computer program in a week and, um, You know, two years later, she says, look, this business hardly makes any money. It's a ton of work. There's only two people in the world that know it. Well, two entities, my daughter and then you guys. Well, the first time Allison saw it, she said, I want to publish that. And she goes, I'll sell it to you for a small amount of money. And, you know, we, were, we didn't have a lot of money back then. We were young. And uh, so we scraped together the cash and we start taking over publication. And six months later, the web hits, you know, and, and I'm just going crazy because I can see the vision. You know, at that time, everyone, if you wanted to stay at a, an inn on the Oregon coast, You would call them on the phone and they would mail you a a trifold brochure, okay, with a couple of photos in it if you were lucky. And, you know, the web hits and I start realizing we got to put this directory online. And so we did that. And then we started realizing, oh, my gosh, they could have their own websites. And really, it just snowballed from there. Mm -hmm. Uh, So total right place at the right time with the right skill set and having a business handed to us for a very small amount of money
0: wow allison what's your what's your piece of this do because you, you guys have been married since 1992 i read on your website correct? Right?
2: yeah we will be celebrating our 30th next year so yes
0: wow congratulations well we're going to get into working together with spouses later i just have some selfish questions that i want to ask and i'm <laughs> sure that you know our listeners will have uh have maybe some similar questions that i do but um yeah allison where when you you know hear scott you know, coming home with this ladies, baking them cookies. Hey, there's this deal. Like what, what's, what's striking you about this as interesting. And what is your background that you're bringing to this?
2: My background was that I was an English major and I was teaching actually most um, teaching writing at the local Community college, at the time, so to me it was kind of a natural segue to want to get into publishing get into writing. I love to edit i'm just a good good at editing and so um, it fit in with my talents as well, and you know, at the time, like he said, we didn't really have any money anyway. So it was like, well, why not? You know, let's just do something. Um, being kind of young and fearless and, <laughs> 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 and just like, Hey, if we try it and it works great, if it doesn't great, whatever, you know? And, uh, so we, we, I really approached it that way. It's like this
0: is a great opportunity. This sounds fun. Let's do it. Let's try it. Let's see where it goes. Amazing. I see some comparisons. Like as you're talking, as both of you are talking, I'm hearing some similarities to Gary Vaynerchuk's story, because you know, if if you guys have heard of Gary V, he's you know this big. Um, he would probably hate that I say motivational speaker, but he does provide a lot of motivation in the entrepreneur field. He's getting involved with the whole NFT rush and with, you know, everything else, but he did wine library and he took over his dad's, you know, liquor business. And really that was right at the crucial moment. Just like you said of when the web was starting to get involved. And so he was like, there needs to be this, you know, online marketplace for wine. So just like you started doing the marketplace and having the, you, you had that vision, Scott, of kind of putting these venues online. He did a very similar thing with this wine store and called it wine library. And that was kind of where he got his start. So there's a lot of cool similarities there. Just kind of something I noticed. Um, So you, at that point, is it Whitestone marketing or was that just kind of the preliminary pieces that set the bedrock for what you're, you have now?
1: Mm -hmm. Boy, you, uh, You do a lot of things wrong, um, or at least wrong maybe for you. I grew up surrounded by entrepreneurs. My grandparents built and ran a hospital and a health insurance corporation. My father built uh, two corporations that were very, very successful. Nobody in our family worked for someone else. And so I got the experience of watching all these people, but there's things that you're going to find you do and you have to figure out what my session was about um, at wedding MBA was really about defining your own success, Mm -hmm. defining the target so you can shoot for it because so often we just allow whatever is coming to us to define what we do. Okay. Whatever way the wind's blowing, that's the Mm -hmm. way you sail, right? Okay. So the problem that we had was we were too successful. And here we are, a small company in Southern Oregon, and we can't find people that can spell internet because it's so brand new. And there's not a lot of uh, technically savvy people there, at least back then. So we grow to a thousand clients and we hate it. I mean, she came home one day and she's like, I hate what we're doing. I'm totally stressed out. I People are calling, they wanna to talk to you and I, they can't, cause we're too big. You know, it's just this, it was really too much success. And so I said, "Okay, what do you want to do? Mm -hmm. And she said, I I want to be small and I want to be really, really good. And so we started Whitestone Marketing as a test. We literally sold our house, took the profit from it, started a new branch of the company, actually a new company. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was so successful out of the gate that we sold off the other company and kept Whitestone Marketing. So Whitestone, the principle was we are going to literally, we raised our prices times 10. Okay. And then we only took on 10 clients to start. Mm -hmm. We keep our client load between 60 and 80 clients. And we have 20 staff members Mm -hmm. taking care of those clients. That is huge. You know, that's three clients to every staff member. That's nuts. Mm -hmm. What we become is the Ferrari of our industry. And Mm -hmm. it didn't start out that way at all. We had to redefine who we wanted to be. And really tightly define that target and go after it. And that's who we've been since two. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We just, you know, Jonathan, we just couldn't do things poorly.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And That when, when we understood that that was a, a motivation, um, that was part of our DNA, who we are, we knew we had to change the company to fit that. And so when venues or inns and these businesses call me, I always say, you know, what do you want? Because you can't assume that they just want to make more money. Too many marketing companies just assume, oh, oh yeah, you just want to make more money. No, not necessarily. You have to understand what is it that they really want. Do they have the infrastructure to support that? Because we know how to make them more money. But whether they're ready for that, whether they can ramp up for that, whether that's even what they want, I think it's really crucial. And what was good about Scott's presentation was you have to define what success looks like for you.
0: Hmm. That is, I feel like almost a whole different topic of how to rebrand yourself. And I want to ask you a question about that because there are so many planners, photographers, venues, um, vendors in this industry who really want to reposition themselves into exactly what the two of you did and they want to serve the luxury crowd. They want to be the Ferrari of their industry right? And that is something that is desirable. How did you have the courage or the like gumption almost to do that times 10 pricing to do that? Like, was it, was it out of the success and you felt like you had the confidence? Cause I, that's a scary move. Like if you're charging a hundred dollars an hour for something, and now you're going to go up to, you know, you know, $300 per hour. I mean, that's, you're serving a different group of clients right there. How did you have the, the the courage and kind of maybe the, even the, the follow through to have to get rid of some of those clients and just totally reinvent what you did. So gosh, it was so scary.
2: Oh man, Jonathan. I mean, you know, that was so scary, but he's pretty fearless in business. Yeah. Not? I was scared to death, and That's hardest <laughs> thing. Some of the hardest things I ever went through.
1: So definitely we come from different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Nobody in her family, you know, really ran around as well. Grandfather. Yeah. But, um, you know, I never believe in um, diving into a lake, a river until I've gone down and seen if there's rocks under the surface. Okay. I'm not... crazy. And I dip my toe in the water before I figure out whether I want to get into it. So what we did was we had the old business, right? Mm-hmm. And we took a year to prove the concept. Mm-hmm. I mean, we sent out an email and said, look, we're going to do this as a test. We're going to take 10 clients. And when the first 10 were successful, then we went on to 20. But notice we've still got the other company. So, right. you know, there there's no real... Um, so we didn't jump off a cliff. No, yeah, but, it, yeah, not at all. Matter of yeah. fact, we were very, very cautious because you just you don't screw up what you've got to make something yeah. new. Yeah. Okay.
0: That's brilliant, actually. I can see someone doing that now, maybe someone who does want to make that shift, taking a segment of their customer base, kind of pooling them and seeing who's interested in a higher tier experience. That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah we had
1: in 24 hours. It, it happened yeah. instantly. So it was like, huh. We've got someone here.
2: And we've always, you know, kind of when you take that qualified step of faith that um, you're usually surprised. And I found that over and over again over the last 30 years is I'm usually surprised by the response, uh, how good it is. Yeah. Uh, You know, you take care of people. That's been always my philosophy is you take really good care of your clients. And then when you change things and you wait and, you know, move things around a little bit, people tend to trust you. for that you know you know keeping your reputation intact and developing um trust with your clientele is probably the most important thing you can do as a as a business owner
0: as you started growing your company you have this new model you are now focusing on depth with these clients you're focusing on really developing the services that you provide for them what to you is the biggest adjustment the biggest kind of like, maybe even, maybe even pain point, you know, like the, some of those growing pains, was it hiring a team? Was it really understanding the needs of the clients? Like what, what for you really maybe was surprising as far as something challenging as the company grew?
1: Over-promising. We, okay. we didn't set limits on that new plan. And, uh, we just became, um, the, the, the un-PC word we became slaves to the clients. Okay. I mean, we had unlimited updates to your website every month. And what we found is given the opportunity, they change their website every day.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: no. Live and learn. Yeah. So you've got to be willing to to change things up on it. You know, one of the mm-hmm. smart things um we've done a lot of people think we're crazy. We don't have lengthy contracts. It's a month to month service. Yeah,
2: just month to month. And no
1: People think, well, that's nuts. I want to lock someone into a contract. And I go, Well, if they want out, they're going to make me miserable and I don't want to be made miserable. So we allow people out or that allows us to change things from month to month. Mm -hmm. So if all of a sudden we recognize crud, you know, we overpromised on this or we want to add something in or we want to move something around. Having that month to month service allows us the flexibility to do that. But Mm -hmm. yeah, what else in the beginning did we...
2: Yeah, and I think we
1: learn and change.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I think a lot of the overpromising was a result of fear. Fear that you were going to lose clients, fear that you weren't going to be able to meet the customer service levels that you had before. Um, and so because of that, we gave we gave into that fear a bit. And um it it did kind of drive us crazy for a while. Definitely. And so, you know, so I think acting, I think that's one of the most important things as a small business owner or business owner in general is, um, is not acting out of fear.
0: Yeah. I know from my, from my experience. So we have some venues that we operate and, um, it is so easy for me out of that insecurity and out of that fear to oversell a new venue. You yes. know, if, if we just have taken on a brand new venue that we're managing and now we're here touring those first tours, because generally I'm involved in them because I like to kind of see how it feels and, and all of that. Um, I struggle with over promising and overselling because I want the business. I want it to win, I want it to succeed. And I think it comes from a very healthy place, but you can't do that because then you end up and every single time I get spanked. And it's so funny because my team now is probably getting to the point where they're like, no more for him. (laughs) Like he's not going to do that anymore because it's messing us up, you know, down, down at the back end. (laughs) That
1: that is true. And we actually, a lot of what we do is business consulting with our clients. Um, If they're not increasing their revenue, if they're not um, improving their lifestyle and enjoying their business more, we're not Hmm. doing our job, but we talk to them a lot about underselling, overselling, you know, if someone comes to your website and then they come to your venue and they go, this is so much nicer than your website. Well, then your website failed because it would be an accurate, accurate representation. Well, the same thing is if it oversells your venue, you've got a real problem. Mm -hmm. So in sales um, that is, gosh, you can't oversell yourself. You will pay the price down the road. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah man you're you're saying that and i definitely feel like we need to have you guys take a look at at least one of our websites because everyone says wow this is so much nicer than we see online so we'll we'll do that after the recording perfect yeah. um I
2: tell, jonathan i tell every client i talk to if you even get one person saying that to you it's
0: failing you it's huh. failing amazing okay well we've got we've got work to do together i love this <laughs> let's talk to that point actually let's talk about Um, Whitestone practically, like, what do you guys do? Marketing is such a big world. I mean, do you focus in one specific area? Are you able to, you know, because of your experience, because you do have incredible experience. I mean, I find marketers, you know, they have got four or five years experience, something like that. And you've really seen a lot of changes, which is incredible. Um, So what do you, what do you focus on? What does your company focus on? Paid ads, copy, the whole nine yards?
2: Yeah, well, I think, you know, and I'll let him kind of go in the details of this, but I think it's important to understand the foundation of our company is built on consulting. And you get on that, Jonathan, all of those years of experience, seeing the evolution of the web, seeing the evolution of technology, seeing the evolution of all of these things gives us a deep, what I call deep expertise. And uh, that deep expertise lends itself to consulting that is really valuable for the client. And so I would say that is really a foundation of marketing. So in a lot of ways, the consulting with the marketing layered on.
1: Yeah, we, you know, you were talking about that. You've got someone that maybe has four or five years experience and they're a one person show and maybe they're really good at search engine optimization, but what about all the rest of marketing? So Mm -hmm. um, we start every single relationship and this was the original, kind of design um, of Whitestone was we really wanted to be more involved with each of the property, go deeper. So every single relationship we have, we visit the property and we've got one of our staff members. That's what they love doing. They go on property and they actually stay for three days. And all they do while they're there is really get to know the client, get to know the business, Mm -hmm. understand who their clients are, um, and fix a lot of their marketing things while they're on property. Mm -hmm. So they're diving in and going, okay, let's look at the knot. Let's look at your listing on the knot. What are you paying them? Um, Digging through things. Well, show me all the photographs that you've got in that giant archive that you're allowed to use. You know, photos are the eggs to the omelet when it comes to web design. If you've got, Terrible eggs. I'm sorry, your omelets going to stink. Right. But if you've got great photos, building out the website just comes together. Now it's just a a job of organization and text. And so we start every single relationship that way um, on property, really getting to know them and getting to know their business. From there, you know, web design is so key. Uh, a lot of people will come to us and, and I'm the non-salesperson of the family. She's the salesperson. I talk people out of things. <laughs> and come to me and say, you know, I, what do you think about this website? It's, like, oh, it's good enough. And they go, I don't want good enough. I want great. Mm-hmm. And so they ignore my advice and they get a new website and the business just starts flowing in because it's a match for the property. Yeah. So definitely, don't talk to me about sales. <laughs> <laughs> but those two things right there make up the foundation of marketing. Is being in there and understanding the property and having the um, the knowledge to consult to them yeah. to, to be able to align with their thinking. Because if we say, "Hey, go spend hundred thousand dollars on marketing," and it brings them all this business and they're totally overwhelmed, that's a I mean, failure. We fail, right? Uh-huh. So we've got to understand what they want. The web design is the next key piece. And then it just goes from there. There are so many facets to internet marketing from Mm -hmm. search engine optimization, which is the free portion of Google, to paid search ads, to um, social media, to email marketing. I mean, we can just Mm -hmm. go down the list and it goes on and on and on.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: as an agency, we cover most everything except one thing we say that the venue should do themselves and that is social media the free portion of facebook instagram things like that people want to connect with you they don't want to connect with your marketer and Mm -hmm. so that should be a natural thing that you guys are doing every single day in your business hey we just had this wedding Mm -hmm. hey we just made this little area at the venue. That's a natural thing. Hiring that out to a marketing company is a bad idea.
2: Yeah, just like you really don't want to outsource your when, you know, picking up the phone yeah. to someone that's not there on property or doesn't understand anything about it. Same kind of thing.
0: Yeah. I really like that. I was actually it's such a perfect segue into what I was going to ask about a small business who maybe maybe, you know, there's some, you know, new venue owner just put a bunch of money into the venue Maybe the budget is a little bit tight now and, you know, they're kind of wondering how do I prioritize the money I have left in terms of marketing. And so that's, that's a great thing. Cause I was going to ask you about social media. So kind of just jumping right to that really quick for that case, whether it's a venue, a Ben breakfast, uh, any sort of, whether it's on the lodging side or, or it doesn't have lodging. Um, it sounds like you would recommend that they do, the social media in-house you know the the responding to the dms and things like that um what about if they are not capable of creating kind of that beautiful aesthetic that everyone is looking for you know maybe they're they just throw stuff up on stories and they're just using kind of some of the stickers and it's not on brand do you have any advice for that
2: well and that is that's a you know a a marketing company can be utilized for that and Um, We absolutely do that. One of the things, one of the services that we have, it's called brand management. And Jonathan, it speaks exactly to what you're talking about. It's about curating that brand so that it does have that beautiful look across all the different platforms, whether you're sending out emails um, and want the professional graphics and having it look just really on point or, you know, or the the social media component of it and the, the graphics that go along with that. Absolutely, I think that's something that a marketing company very much should do, particularly for a venue or an inn that has a little more of a marketing budget. Um, But what we're talking about is just like what you said earlier, the daily conversations that need to happen, whether, wherever they happen, because you want to have conversations with people in the platforms that they choose to use. Mm. Uh, You know, you can't just force someone to be, Hey, we only accept text messages. Well, what, why, you know, you want to make sure you're, you're there wherever they decide they want to communicate with
1: you. Mm. A couple of things on that. Um, if I understand, you're you're not talking about a larger venue with a marketing budget. You're talking about the small operator, and, we
0: don't and prioritization. Ha- prioritization. Like where where do they spend the money first?
1: Okay, and so yeah. that's the thing. the The problem there's a couple of problems with social media. Um, first of all, if you're going to do it and you feel like you just don't have the talent, there's someone local mm-hmm. who's 20 years old who can do this. And you find someone that is uh, an intern for your business, a Mm -hmm. local college student, Mm -hmm. just to pretty up the graphics. And then you kind of do the daily posting and communicating with people. That's, that's pretty simple. Mm -hmm. Here's the problem with social media is two major problems. Number one, you don't own it. Mm. Hold on real quick. We have technical difficulties. Okay. So you don't own that marketing asset. And so I see this all the time. Someone is online and they're like, I had 3000 followers on Instagram and they shut my account down and I can't talk to anybody. It's gone. I have to start over. Well, what a horrible thing. Okay. <laughs> that's like building a business on a location and your lease being canceled. Now you've <laughs> that's, that's horrible. But this happens every single day. The the other problem with social media is it doesn't bring in as much business as people think for the effort involved. It really, really, it's just you're like posting on a billboard, essentially. Now, here's my advice to a small business, and I'm going to call it Starbucks marketing. You go to Starbucks and you get your pumpkin pumpkin spice latte, Mm -hmm. whatever. You're going to spend at least 10 bucks, right? So here's what my advice is. Go set up Google ads and spend $10 a day. Okay. Take that same amount of money you would spend at Starbucks, make your own latte. Okay. And spend that money in Google ads and buy your way to the top. You're only going to spend $10 a day, mm-hmm. but that $10 can bring you business. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, when you think about it, Oh, Scott, that's, you know, at least $300 a month. Yes. But you would spend that at Starbucks going there every day. Yeah. yeah
2: and it's interesting, Jonathan, over the last, I would say, at least 20 years um, for all of our clients, um their top because we can, you know, we can track their revenue sources where they're getting money from. And um their top revenue sources, their top five, paid search is always in the top five and has right. been for 20 years. Even so even before Google Ads. Yeah, even before Google Ads. So, you know, that is just we have the historical data, it's proven.
0: Hmm. Where do things, and I know this is, can be controversial, I guess, depending on you know your your viewpoint on it, but where do sites like Weddingwire, the knot, wedding spot, Zola, all the different here comes the guide, um, all the different sites that are are kind of like an industry Google. Right. You know, yeah. How do those stack up in your opinion compared to a Facebook or Google ad?
1: So gosh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. The, the first thing that you have to be able to do is you have to be able to track the business from those. And that's what Google Analytics does for you. Mm-hmm. And that's got to be set up properly to where, you know, someone comes from a resource and they come to your website and then they fill out the RFP on your website. Right. You need to be able to track that back and say, oh, that business came from there and then be able to prove that. Yes. Because that's the first thing. But there are two benefits to having a listing on WeddingWire, okay? The first benefit is that you are going to hopefully have someone look at your listing on there and contact you Mm -hmm. potential client. The second is it helps you rank higher in Google and people forget about this, that that link back from an authoritative resource like wedding wire, the knot, something like that is actually going to help your website rank up higher in Google for when people are searching for you. That's an incredible value. Now, if it's $20,000 a year, um, I kind of discount that value. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if it's a dollar a year, you want to be in all of them. Yes. Right. So there's a value proposition there that we have to figure out. And then when we take on a client, it's one of the first things we do is we get Google Analytics set up correctly and we start looking at the traffic. And then we go back to them and go, you can drop these three. Um, you need to double down on those, those two, two. Yeah. and actually do more with them because it's producing revenue for you.
2: Mm-hmm. Yo, app- yeah uh, the tracking those rfp seeing where the business is really coming from is crucial
0: how how is it how are pros in this industry really able to track that because i know just from the experience that i have someone will put in the drop down you know the nod or we saw you on you know we looked at your website or whatever but typically aren't there a number of different touch points that the client is going to have before filling out that that contact form that rfp and so they are going to maybe see you on Instagram, they're going to see you on The Knot, they're going to see you on Yelp, they're going to see you on Google My Business, and then they're going to say, you know what, I probably should. Mm-hmm. Sure. Fill it out. Yeah, well, and
2: you just explain the argument for why you should be everywhere.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but how, how do you, how can you prioritize, how, like with the way that that is, you know, jumping around like that, how can you really get an accurate understanding of where the lead is coming from?
1: So... A polling company in politics has enough knowledge to poll a thousand people and figure out who the next president's going to be. It's amazing that they can pull one thousand people and know within a few marginal points how the election is going to go. And it's because they know how to ask the right questions and how who to ask. Hmm. So, a marketing company does the same thing they can look at google analytics data and if they have it set up correctly they're not getting all the information but they're getting enough information to extrapolate the data and say ah we can make an assumption here we know that the knot is working a little it's probably working a lot mm. uh, and that comes down to gosh there's there's so many tools assisted conversions in google mm-hmm. analytics yeah which all the different touch points are being measured. Yeah. So you may go into Google Analytics if you have it, you know, again, set up correctly and you go, okay, someone came from the knot. They came to our website. They filled out the RFP. Now I can dig a little deeper and find out, oh, they also went to mm-hmm. these other websites. Mm-hmm. Um, but all we need is, is a hint, if you will, just like a poll of where the business is coming from to figure out if it's working correctly.
0: Mm. Speaking of a business coming to you, when is your are I guess I should phrase it differently, is there a bad time for a business to come to you? Is there a not so ideal scenario where a business is coming to you and they they maybe haven't um, got their business started yet, or maybe they, they are started and their Google analytics is a complete disaster because like me very early on, I decided, oh, this is great. I'm going to look into this. And I think I spent $300, uh, in a matter of like a day accidentally. And then I shut it down because I didn't know how, how to do it. You know, this is quite a while back. Is there a bad time or have you ever looked at a client's profile and been like, my gosh, like, we've got a lot of work to do to kind of like unbury this company.
2: Most of the time, Jonathan, that okay. is, um, we've over the, over the years, probably because of our deep expertise and time we've been doing this, we have people that come to us that have to be fixed. Yeah. I mean, we um, we have generally kind of we're kind of known as the fixers now for distressed properties. Um, and so distressed properties will come to us um, because they know we have a really proven formula for turning them around
1: and, and not that the property is distressed, it's that their marketing is distressed. Yeah. Right. So they've done it wrong time after time after time. They've gone cheap on web design. Um, yeah. You know, they've hired the wrong photographers and they'll finally call us and they'll say, okay, all right, I, I'm done. I'm done trying to do it myself. I've, I've tried these other companies, you know, I'm gonna pay the piper. Mm-hmm. And we're like, if you're ready to partner, so are we, but okay. hang on because your business is gonna take off. And obviously I can't promise that unless they're a solid partner. So one thing we cannot fix is a bad reputation, right? Sorry. If, if you have a bad reputation online, if you have one bad review after another, because you really stink at running your business, I can't fix that. I'm not on property with you. And really you should probably sell your business to someone that's motivated to do it right. Mm -hmm. Um, That is the hardest thing in the world. If their marketing screwed up, gosh, that's what we do. You know, Mm -hmm. that's we start at ground zero and we're like, okay, here's the photographers to hire. Here's the type of photographs you need. Now let's get the the website done. But it takes someone willing to partner with us who is really ready to do the things that we tell them to do, Um, because if they come to us with their own ideas, you're probably not ready for us yet.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I would say the other time when it just doesn't work is um, when, say, a venue sells or or an end sells and um, you're the marketing company of record for the previous owners, the new owners come in and they kind of assume you, Um, they didn't choose you. Mm -hmm. And so I have found through the sales process over the years that the element of choice is essential in developing and establishing a good relationship.
1: Yeah, they tend to come in and think, oh, we can do it better. So they fire the marketing company. It's like, they're the one people that know everything about Mm -hmm. your business. And so you fire the marketing company and we're going to do it our own way. We'll go for it. You know, you're not hurting my feelings.
0: Yeah. Well, Allison, what you said there really, I think, is a testament to your experience and both of you, the time and the effort that you have put into this industry, because you don't learn something like that just by accident or by reading or by taking a course or anything like that. Like that is a hard one you know yes. lesson right there it's
2: a hard lesson yes
0: yeah is when you look at a marketing timeline so you know let's say i have a brand new venue and i do have a marketing budget and i say scott and allison i really believe in what you're doing i'm ready you know i'm i'm putting the work in i'm on the ground here i'm ready to follow your advice you know i'm on that clay i'm that putty and i want you to mold me and we're going to do a great job on the ground and i'd like you to do a great job you know in the the virtual space presenting our business uh, with marketing, how soon, how fast do you see conversions and results start to happen? Like if I start putting, giving you the budget that you need on day one, is it six months down the line? Is it three months down the line? Assuming of course that, you know, we have a venue that we actually built and we're ready to sell things. Yeah.
1: So I want to throw something in that I want Allison to handle that. Um, you said something funny to me, you Okay. Said, I came to you and I've got a budget. How did you come up with the budget? You blue sky figured it. You said, this is what I'm going to spend on marketing. But the first thing you should do is talk to your marketer about how much money you should spend.
0: That's okay. Let's just stop everything and talk right in that because you're completely right. I assume, and I have zero idea in my mind of what that budget is. And you probably have a completely, and I love it. Everyone listening or watching online on YouTube, you guys probably all have different perspectives on what A budget is so let's let's go there what is a budget or are there there ranges of budgets for venues specifically or you know any of these any of these places with or without lodging is there kind of some general figures you like to go to where you feel like if i told you that number you'd be like yes jonathan you are ready like that cheese commercial right? right yes
1: so um you know marketing is the accelerator of your business okay If you're in business and you're cruising along and you're making $100,000 a year, and you say to me, I want to make $200,000 a year, I'm going to tell you it's time to double your marketing budget at least, right? The, The further you press down on an accelerator in a car, the faster you go. And the same thing is true of marketing. So really, we have to come back to what is the goal? And the marketing budget is determined by the goal and where you're at currently. I mean, if your marketing is terrible, you're going to have to have a larger budget. So what I always tell people is if you're including a web design in it, it's 20% of gross annual revenue for that year
2: for, yeah, yeah. for a website year.
1: Yeah. So think about that for a second. Twenty percent of a million dollars is two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. People think you're insane, Scott. What what on earth? Why would you say an amount that high? because it goes back to return on investment. So in marketing, if I'm telling you to spend a dollar, the goal is you're gonna make $10 for every dollar I tell you to spend. So if I tell you to spend $1,000 a month on marketing, we're going to expect $10,000 in business. If I tell you to spend 10,000, we're gonna expect 100,000. 10% is the golden rule. 10% of gross annual revenue is what you ought to be spending on marketing. Most companies spend three to 5% and they wonder why they don't have enough business. Yeah. The ones that actually spend 10%, here's what happens. It allows them to increase their prices. So now you have so much business. Imagine you've got an event venue and every time you do a tour on a Saturday, you have a hundred people lined up. What are you going to do with your prices? You're going to raise them through the roof. Okay, marketing is what gets you to the point where you have enough demand that you can raise your prices and now you're making an even greater return on investment. But the golden rule, not counting the web design years, is 10% of gross annual revenue or your goal of gross annual revenue. If you sit down and go, the target we want this year is we wanna make a million dollars. To get you there, it's gonna require a hundred thousand dollars in marketing. And the only last thing I'm gonna say on that is, People will say, "Well, I'm already making a million dollars, and I'm only spending fifty thousand on marketing." Yes, but if you increase that marketing budget, you're going to increase your gross annual revenue. And they're like, "Well, we don't we don't have the capacity to do that. Raise your prices." It's all mm-hmm. part of this recipe. It's part of the that recipe. Just comes together. Mm-hmm. But-
2: yeah. Well, and you have to figure in too. Um, you know every industry is different. So obviously we're talking about venues. We're talking about lodging, talking about properties in general right here. Um, But particularly when you're talking about venues, you don't have a ton of repeat clientele. Okay. You don't have, they're not doing their, you know, event at your place every weekend. Okay. You know um, you might have some repeat clientele yearly for certain things, depending on what kind of events you do. Um, But even lodging clients, while they have a much greater, um, repeat clientele than just a strict venue would have, you still have to realize that you're trying to pull in new people all the time. Okay. You're not, this is not just a repeat clientele sort of business. And as a result of having to always pull in new people, you have to have a marketing budget that may seem high to a lot of people, but for this industry, it's not.
1: Mm. It's cost of acquisition to get those new people. Oh, one clarification, the cost of your marketer is not included in that. So the cost of your marketer, if you were a big enough business, the marketing would be done by an in-house agency and that's an employee and that's a staff cost. Mm -hmm. So that's not part of your marketing budget. This is literally ad spend, Mm -hmm. uh, spending money on things like web design, the photography, the the search engine optimization, everything, social media, the whole bit. Mm -hmm.
0: Hmm. Got it. So as far as my original question. Now that we've established, we know 10%, we know 20%. We have a a decent idea going into it. Let's say I tell you, Scott and Allison, I have this venue just built and I saved $100,000. Okay. You know, I have a $100,000 budget for this year. I'd like to do some ads in there. I've got a decent website. Maybe we need to tune some things up, but you know, this is, I, I have this budget for us to get started with. Is there, do you, generally see results from day one? Is it kind of like a testing thing where you have to really figure out um, who the target clients are? And then, you know, you can start really seeing some results or what is that window of time that a client of yours coming in could expect to start seeing kind of some of the fruits of the investment?
1: So the biggest question is, do you have a website? Mm -hmm. If you don't have a website, it takes time to put one together. It's like building a house, you know, you don't just do it in a day. So if we can assume you've got a decent website, then you can start having business tomorrow. And that's the beauty of Google ads. Mm -hmm. Google ads, you can buy your way to the top instantly. You can do the same thing with Facebook ads and Instagram ads and things like that. So you can have instant business. And the reason it's instant is there's already people searching for what you have. And now it's just a matter of being where they're looking. So, if someone is is searching for, um, you know, a Santa Barbara wedding venue, okay, and they search in Google because that's where everyone starts their search, they're going to find the knot, okay, because they're advertising to be up there at the top. They're going to find some other resources. If you're on those, and if you're buying your own ads and you're at the top, you're going to be found and you're going to have business instantly. It
0: happens that fast. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Absolutely. But- but it really, Oh, go ahead.
2: I was going to say John particularly when, when we see the data, we see the stats, yeah. you know? So when, for instance, when you launch a website, you know, all of a sudden you see the data, you know, you see the line, it's kind of doing this, you know, the day, day, a couple of days after the website launches, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, traffic. So you, you see it.
0: It's fun. instantly. Yeah. yeah. That's super, super cool. But of course we're assuming here, like you're saying, Scott, that, that, you actually have that website, that you actually have built it out professionally, that there are some of these pieces that are already there, you know, to help be the mousetrap, I guess. (laughs) And because it's not just about the traffic, but it's about capturing that. Okay. Very, very cool.
1: Well, and if, you know, if you're starting out on day one, okay, you open a venue today, right? You're going to have to build a website. You're not ready for events. (laughs) (laughs) You've got to train your team. You've got things to do. So it's going to take a little time to put together the website. Meanwhile, you're going to be putting together your team, figuring out what you're doing. So they they really go hand in hand.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, something occurred to me and I I was curious your take on this from a marketing perspective. uh, Do you feel like it's possible given enough marketing dollars to make virtually any venue successful? I mean... Within like, so let's, let's say at any geographic, you know, uh, let's say I want to have a venue in Tennessee or Texas or, you know, and Texas in the dripping Springs area, there's a million venues, you know, maybe not quite a million, but there's quite a few, maybe a very saturated market. Um, if I have $300,000 are my, is my money going to play the same way there? Or because of the concentration of venues, is it just, is it going to be, you know, only 30% of it counts and I might as well be spending a hundred thousand dollars in a different market.
1: So there's, there's a couple of things to consider. Good question. Yeah. Really good question. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back to the accelerator of your business, huh. if you're driving a car and you hit a steep hill, you got to use more gas, right? Yeah. So you got to press down harder on the accelerator to get up to speed. It's this exact same thing. If you're in a challenging market, mm-hmm. you've got to have a higher budget.
0: That's a so great analogy. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, fantastic analogy. I really like that.
1: (laughs) If you go back to the four P's of marketing, product price, place promotion, you're talking about place, okay? Mm -hmm. And if you're in a challenging place and a challenging place could be you're in Antarctica where no one travels to. And so you're going to have a much harder time, okay? Then you've got to have a greater promotional budget. Likewise, if you're in a a market where there's a hundred venues, you've got to beat the competition. Mm -hmm. Right. So you're going to have to have a higher budget. So as the challenge becomes greater, your budget has to increase. Mm -hmm. If you're the only venue in town and it's a town of 100,000 people, you're golden. You know, you don't have to have a large promotional budget Mm -hmm. that that fourth P can be small because you've got the place. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know if that helps answer the question or not. But yeah, we and I would rather beat competition than try to get people to Antarctica. It's a lot easier, and you know it's
2: interesting because through the years we've often, very often, gotten properties that come to us because they know we specialize in challenging (laughs) marketing situations. That's our specialty. Um, So lots of them come to us in challenging areas. So we have done years and years of work of marketing challenging areas. And my advice is, gosh, I tell people if you know if if you're just starting out go somewhere where there are more venues.
1: Yeah. 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 (laughs) it's A lot easier to beat the competition than to be the chamber of commerce and bring people there.
2: Yeah. It would be the destination that that's tough.
0: Have you found that it's gotten easier over the years because of kind of this globalization, you know, you know, Instagram, you know, you know, we see these venues like, Oh, wow. You know, um, this travel lust that everyone is, is on that, you know, my goodness, a destination, you know, wedding in Bali or wherever. And now we're seeing this stuff on Pinterest. We're seeing it on Instagram. We're seeing it on reels. We're seeing it on YouTube. And then this is the vision. And so it seems more accessible. It seems like it's, it's, it's reachable. Whereas maybe 15, 20 years ago, you weren't even seeing that stuff. Yeah. Who? Uh,
1: easier for who? I for think the- it, Easier for the person that wants to get married, yeah, or have an event, mm-hmm. but it's harder for the venue. Um, internet marketing gets more complex every single day.
0: Hmm.
1: Web design—it used to be one person could design a website, and now you've got the coding and and you've got all these different factors involved, and it takes a team to put together a website. So, to me, I think it's become more difficult for the venue than it has for the shopper. It's a buyer's market. Uh, uh, airbnbs now you can go rent an airbnb and they're like we've got the trellis and the chairs in the garage okay well that that's great for the person wanting to have an event that's harder for the professional venue down the street
0: yeah yeah that makes so much sense Mm -hmm. i want to pivot a little bit because i have so many different questions about all this stuff that we're talking about with marketing and media and we could go on and on but i do want to ask you about the dynamic that you guys have working together. Um, mm-hmm. because I know, I mean, you've been you've been married, you said you're coming up here on your 30th anniversary. Yeah. Congratulations. That's so exciting. I'm coming up on my 10th. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And I know that there are, you know, it has been challenging. I do work with my spouse as well. And so many people, so many people who give business advice say. Don't do business with your spouse, don't do business with family, you know. And there's almost some of those ground rules for them. How do you, when you hear that, what do you feel? And, you know, what's kind of your advice or maybe even some tips for success working with each other, especially over such a long time and doing being involved in an industry that has changed so much? Well, we never run out of things to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs>
1: um, seriously, you, I mean, we don't come home at the end of the day. Some of the benefits, if you think about it, we don't come home at the end of the day and try to catch each other up on, on business.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: You know, what happened at your work? And you're talking about someone they don't know. Yeah. You Don't run out of things to talk about when you go out to dinner because it just becomes such a part of your life. You never really separate the two. So you better figure out the lifestyle and enjoy it. And I think one of the things that really helps with Allison and I is um, one of the guys that's been with us for 16 plus years, he said, we're the perfect yin and yang. And it is having separate areas. So Allison has her niche in the company and I've got mine. Um, and recognizing that you allow, so I'm going to, I'm going to speak to men. Okay. Your wife has a brain and you need to allow her to have her own area of the company and to run it without your interference.
0: I like it. She
1: needs to shine on her own and she needs to be recognized and praised for what she does. Not because that's what she needs every day, but because she doesn't need you screwing it up. And so there's a lot of things that Allison just does that I'm really not a part of. She handles all the sales. She chooses who our clients are going to be, what plans they're going to be on, works with them. I'm kind of the nerd behind the curtain. I'm the marketing guy. I'm, yeah, I make a lot of the big decisions, but she's running the day-to-day in so many ways. And I think if I have to give advice to a team that is it. You've got to have your defined areas and you know, stay out of each other's lane as much as possible. Yeah. You do have to figure things out together and agree on things. And probably I'll, that's where I'll leave that part of the conversation is I never do anything in business without her a hundred percent agreement hmm. uh, get it wrong. Once I promoted a contractor years ago, uh, I was a photographer and I shouldn't have done it. And I paid the price and she was right. And I'll never do it again. I, I won't do anything in business unless she's hundred percent on board. So,
0: have there been times, and and Allison, I'm so interested to hear your perspective on this. But have there been times in business where you've you've butt heads, you've argued about something because maybe you, Scott, you're on the the back end. Allison just onboarded a client. You're like, what the heck? Like this this doesn't feel right. But maybe she knew something that you didn't know, or maybe like whatever it happens to be. But you two are kind of like butting heads, how do you solve that? Because that's, that's going to happen. That's bound to happen. Right. What happens then? Yeah,
2: it happens. I mean, that happens daily, Jonathan. Um, yeah, it's, I would have to say too, that, um, you know, advice to young couples, I would say, you know, save your money from couples therapy and just work together because (laughs) (laughs) because you have to work out every issue. Yeah. You're, you you do not have an option if you want, because it's not just about your marriage. It's also about the business yeah. and so success in your marriage also means there's going to be success in your business. So you have a higher motivation, um, to make things work. And so it is better than couples therapy. Let me tell you what, but yes, you do have to, um, you do have to work through those things. You know, there is, um, there's a scripture that says, do not let the sun go down on your wrath." I don't know if you've ever heard that scripture, sure um, but it is a very good thing for couples that particularly that work together is don't go to bed angry, figure it out. And then you can figure it out. You really can't.
1: Yeah. And, and conversely, there are times not to talk about it, mm-hmm. to yeah. let it sit and, and leave it alone for a few days. But yeah, it is, um, there's a lot of challenges there. It's really funny. We built a house years ago and they told us, well, you know, it's the surest way to a divorce. And she laughed at him. She goes, does it beat working together for 20 years? You know, it's like, it was the easiest thing we ever did. Yeah. Um, because we each had our areas of specialization in it and we recognize and respect each other for those, but no, no, To your question, um, every day there are things, it's like, why'd you sell the client on that plan? Well, she had a good reason, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, why did you do that? And you just have to learn to get along.
2: Yeah, right. Right before we did this podcast, Jonathan, I was at him and I said, you have got to make a decision on this. (laughs) And he was like, I have to make it today. I said, yeah, it's stressing me out that you're not making a decision. (laughs) Quick. arguing about that right before this
0: (laughs) i love it i love it well it's obvious to me that there is another piece here which is kind of a commitment to make it keep working because there are so many people who do and i am even speaking from my own experience you kind of hit these things where you have to decide whether it's in business or something personally are you going to allow that to 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 supersede what's happening in the relationship and sometimes it is you know you say hey okay i'm gonna choose to see it from your side i'm gonna see kind of put down my own pride or put down my own you know opinion on here try to see it from your perspective and go there but it really takes a commitment to that relationship and that it seems something very beautiful that that both of you have well thank you i just want to i i appreciate your time so much coming on this show and i know for everyone listening online on the podcast, watching us on YouTube. They're going to get so much value from this. So thank you for being here with us today. I, I'm here at home and, you know, I have a little we have a little cheerleader right there. I've got four kids, actually.
1: <laughs> I love you know, it. You know what? I will leave you with one last thought on that. Because Amazing. You, Please do. We're talking about working with family. Our kids actually work with us now and you mm-hmm. wanted some advice on working with family. And, and here's that piece of advice. If your kids work for the company, Have a general manager between you and them. Don't be their manager. Uh, Have someone that makes their decisions on raises, on everything going on in their life, on the job they do. You can have your input, certainly, but you need a manager between you and your kids. Mm -hmm. It's the only way to do it. And I grew up in family corporations, and we didn't have that. And it was a major issue. And with our kids, it's worked out.
0: Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it.
2: Us, Jonathan. It's been really fun talking to you here today. Thank you.
0: Thanks. Yeah, it has been great. You know, for anyone who is interested in looking more into your company, where do they find you on the web? Where's the best place to connect? Just send them to whitestonemarketing.com. All right, perfect. Well, we'll make sure that the link to all that is in the description, both on the podcast and on the YouTube. And we'll have bits and pieces of this on Instagram as well. So that as people are browsing through, they can they can connect with you there. But thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: All right. Awesome. Thank Thanks you. so much.